You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm glad you are here. I am from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I have my friends from across the globe joining me with today. Down in the morning after ministry studios, we have Timothy Miller. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Delmar Pete. Hello, hello. Next to Tim, we have Andrew Larson. Greetings, world. And up in Baltimore, sunny Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hey, hey. Hey, guys. Uh, it's good to be that with so you. That was so confusing, couple- dude. Don't change the order. I know. I- hey, we got to change it up. I got to make sure you guys are awake and present because uh, we're not recording episodes back to back. We This is a completely different day, different time, different outfit. Weird. So we're wearing the same I am- clothes. <laughs> Weird. But I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that we are together. And we have another round of questions from the Practically Pastoring uh, Facebook group. Again, you can ask us questions by going to our Facebook group, joining our Facebook group. And if you write anonymously, it bumps it up in the algorithm for us to see even further. But you don't have to. Just, just ask a question. Ask a good question. If there's a question that maybe we've already answered, this is episode 121. That means there's 120 episodes, almost probably upwards to over 120 hours of content. So there's a good chance we might have already answered your question. But... Uh, we are here for your questions. Join the Facebook group. Read the question. We want to answer it. Here's the question I want to ask you guys. This is a doozy. Get ready. I recently found out we had a church member request their tithe check back one Sunday after they didn't like what I said. Uh, I'm going to, okay. But it led me to wonder in being able to better minister to the church, when should I know about something like this? Several months have passed now, and I feel like it would have been counterproductive to bring it back up. I was also told that they have continued to give regularly after that specific week. What triggers do you have in place to know how to minister to people without knowing what people are given? Whoa. All right. Someone uh, gave a, a tithe, but then pulled the tithe check back out. Because of something that the pastor said, Bonkers. the pastor didn't know about it, um, but had re- set up, you know, kept giving regularly after that. Um, the pastor is actually asking, what, how do they know, like, what kind of checks and balances do they should have in their own mind to be mindful of what triggers the people? I think we're skipping over the bigger question here. How do we feel about this church member asking for a refund like that? That I, I very rarely have ever heard that before, but I want to hear about what you guys are thinking about that. Also, his question about triggering his congregation with the things he said. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a new one. I, I have not heard of a church. Now, I was going to ask if it's an attender or a member, but the question clearly states this was a church member. So this is someone who's a covenant member of your church, which by all accounts means they've gone through some sort of membership process. So they should know what it means to be a covenant member of your church. So my, my first question is, is might want to rethink what is the process of someone becoming a member of your church? Because we, we very clearly talk about joyful and sacrificial giving when it comes to membership at Lakeview Church. Um, I, I'm just kind of baffled that someone would get offended and then say, I want my tithe check back as if they just purchased your sermon 
and they weren't satisfied with the product and are now requesting a refund because that's that's what this comes across it's a bit icky right off the bat sounds like a discipleship issue yep no but but i think a couple things did can we tell from the context here did they request to his face the tithe chip back or to someone else it sounds like to someone else and then he found yeah. out later so now if he even approaches them this far out they're going to be like oh you're meddling in my money and now why are you waiting so long you know there may be some training specifically to go to kind of i'm looking at this in levels of severity I think the trigger thing is probably the least level of severity, something you can work on. You know, if someone comes and asks for their check back or, or asks for the money to be done, anything different than to go to tithe and offering like it's supposed to, then the person who collects the money should be able to say, hey, just so you know, we don't tell how much people make or anything. But when someone specifies something other to happen to the money, the pastor is in charge of making sure the money's stewarded well. So we have to let him know this happened. That could be a policy you put in place. Yeah, I'm very curious as to uh, what it is that was said. But the fact that this person has continued to give after the fact makes me wonder if their wife is like mine and smacked him upside the head because or, <laughs> you know, that that's what this sounds like to me is like you did what smack. Um, maybe that's just because I'm reading my own fallen nature into this person's question. But the fact that they have continued to participate and give to the life of the church makes this whole situation more curious to me than than anything else about it. Yeah, the only time, from my understanding, that someone can ask for funds back that they donated to a nonprofit is if you misappropriated the funds. And if they were giving to the general fund, um, there's no obligation you have to give them any money back because you know they are giving to fund exactly what you did with the money which is pay your salary and pay the light bills. And now I'm not saying that that is what you should say to this person. I don't think it, I think at this point, if it's a month out and you found out from someone else, you got to just let it go. I don't think there's any positive outcome to that, but I do think that I'm interested to know what is the culture of what is, what is this person's understanding of giving in the church and like how it's supposed to work? Because first of all, he used the language of tithe so that's that could bring with it its whole own host of like how you understand giving to work in the New Testament. Um, and second of all, that this person apparently thinks that their tithe only 100 percent goes to your sermon and it doesn't go to the other, you know, just ministry of the church. I mean, I just had my annual meeting yesterday and our treasurer got up and talked about all the things that our money goes to pay the bills. Obviously, some of it, my salary. But pay the bills, fund ministries, buy curriculum, fix the building, all those things. So, you know, somebody's check is not just to fund you to study, to preach. So, of course, if you say something and, and just because they didn't like what you said doesn't mean that it's unbiblical or wrong. It probably isn't. They probably just didn't like it. So I think that um, I think. Yes, what triggers do you have in place to know how to minister to people without knowing what people are giving? I've said this before. There's no biblical mandate that says you can't know what people give. Typically, the answer that's given to pastors is just one out of prudence, that it's wiser for you not to know because you're weak and your flesh will cause you to play favorites with people. And I think that that is true. 
but the you know I've I heard this at a conference somewhere. There's no reason that somebody doesn't give that isn't a pastoral care issue. They don't give because they don't know they're supposed to. Then that's uh, a teaching thing that you you know you should teach them what the scriptures say. If they're not giving because they're basically like I don't want to, which is kind of what I would put this in that category. That's essentially rebellion. They they know they should. They're just refusing to. Um, in this case, because they didn't like what you said. Well, that's a pastoral care issue too. And if they're not giving because they don't have the money to give, then that's a a literal pastoral care issue where the church might need to come alongside them. How it works in my church, which I assume is most churches, there's we have a treasurer. He pays the bills, so he's in charge of the money going out. And we have an assistant treasurer who, who counts the money. He's in charge of the money coming in. You'd never want those two people to cross. Um, so the, the wisdom is the person spending the money doesn't know what the person bringing in the money knows. Um, and really there's no reason if you have good leaders in those spots for you to know what people are giving. The only thing I would say is you want to have a good relationship with your assistant treasurer. So he can say to you, Hey, you might want to think about, we need to care for this person for this reason. Um, and then on top of that, if he, if you have an assistant treasurer or the person who's collecting the money who does tell you, Hey, this person was giving this much a week and now they're not. You just need to be mature enough as a pastor to handle that information and not think differently of a person. Just, I mean, the fear is if you know what someone is giving, you'll treat them different. And the solution to that is just don't treat them different. Just be mature and just don't. Now, you can put the wisdom in place to say, I don't need to know. Like, I don't need to get a report every week of who's giving what. That's dumb. I don't need that information to minister to people but it's not wrong of me to know. And in this case, I would say I would want to know this because this is an issue that if this was in my church, I would have one of my elders have a conversation with them. I wouldn't directly have it with them, which means you need to have elders that you trust and you know that have your back um, and who would say to you, hey, if you really were preaching things that were wrong and this is uh, a legitimate gripe that this person has, although they went about it the wrong way, I would want my elders to say, yeah, you have been a little bit you know, harsh or unbiblical or whatever. And although this person withholding their tithe is not the way to deal with that, the con the, the actual content of their complaint is legitimate. I'd want to know that. So you just need to have trusted leaders around you and you need to have, you know, again, a good system in place that keeps you from having to basically have your hands in the mechanism of how the money comes in. I think this also speaks to, a maybe a consumer driven approach to ministry or transactional style of ministry that we've probably fed into as ministers and leaders and you know people who've literally worked in in churches for the bulk of our lives now and and I get it but it's still a really unhealthy view of ministry i think in some ways we we might all have to face something like this maybe not this extreme um we had someone who didn't agree with the church leadership decision so um, they they pulled their membership, but opted to continue coming every Sunday, even though they're no longer a member. Well, that way they can say whatever they want about the church and can't be subjected to church discipline if they're not a member. And you let them pull their membership for that? Mm, Timmy, come I mean, on. It's, what do I say? I'm not going to let you pull your <laughs> membership? Like you can't – like what, what do you do right. in that spot? It's just like here with, with the tithe check. It, it's, a, it's a very odd – transactional view and it's almost like well if you do this the way i like it then you can have my tithe or then you can have my membership as long I mean, as it's again, done that's rooted in way. A, that's rooted in rebellion yeah and it I, that's is. kind of how i read this too yeah. for sure when you guys well, the triggers the thing, the, I, 
I don't know. I, 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 I've never, I don't know that I've ever stood up on a Sunday and preached thinking if I say this, someone might not tithe. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I do remember, and since it is election season, this might come up. I do remember not endorsing a candidate, even though in 2020, someone told me if you, if you don't endorse this candidate from stage today, this will be my last Sunday at Lakeview church. So I knew that about five seconds before I got to preach and I did not endorse the candidate and I've never seen that man since. So I guess things like this can happen. It wasn't much of a trigger. I just kind of knew I gave the man a hug and said it was, you know, loved having you here for all these years. What else, what else was I supposed to do there? Yeah. I remember having a conversation after someone made an ultimatum like that. And I, Basically, my conversation was like, look, we're a family and families don't make ultimatums like that. So this is the last time we're going to have this kind of conversation. If this church isn't really right for you, then God bless you on the way out. But I'm not going to like we're not going to operate this way. Yeah. We, we were finishing up our series on Philippians yesterday and Philippians four. There's the two ladies whose names I'm going to mispronounce if I try who are disagreeing And the, you know, every preacher's commentaries take is. Paul is telling them that they need to fight for the unity in the church and that secondary issues that are causing people to fight are not worth fighting over. And we are living in an era, and I have no idea what this statement was that caused someone to want to give their gift back, but we're living in an era where everybody in every seat and every pew thinks that whatever their secondary or tertiary pet issue is, is the thing that should be the litmus test to whether or not the church is orthodox that week. And we need to disciple our people better to cause them to realize what matters and what doesn't. And not that secondary and tertiary issues should never be discussed, but nobody in the church, the pastor included should have the authority to determine whether or not one issue is going to limit someone's fellowship within the church. So I think we need to cast a very compelling vision of what the church is called to be and then stand up to that vision. And that means putting our arm around someone who disagrees with us politically but worships right next to us or who is going to have a different stance on women in ministry or what mode of baptism or whether or not, you know, whatever the other issue might be, we need to practice public fellowship with people that we disagree with so that people don't think that a disagreement is a reason to break fellowship or rebel against the teachings of the church somehow. Andrew, I was so inspired during your monologue. I I thought maybe some background music would have been appropriate there. Thanks buddy. Frank, we might want to edit and cut that out with some really gladiator. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was, I was was thinking like mega church pads at the end of the sermon. Oh, (laughs) you know, blacked out stage. Thank you, Jeff. Mm. You know, um, my buddy Sean Gata, I was talking to him about it wasn't this same issue, but it was similar where a congregants kind of holding, trying to hold their authority over your head. And he texted me the other day. He said, uh, don't stress people who think their opinion is more valid than God's work within your church. And I think that's a good word, you know, um, and that I mean, that's even even for pastors, right? Like our opinions, not more important than what God's doing. And uh, I wouldn't throw. I wouldn't I wouldn't expend your um the, I wouldn't let that suck your joy. And if and if you can't step into it and do something now, then as much as you can, I hate to say it, you're just gonna have to let it go. You know, if because if, if not, it's only gonna put bitterness in you. 
you know? So I think it's one of the, if, if you're going to deal with it, cool, step into it. But if not, then your only course really is to forgive, you know? Um, and, but at the same time, put in some of those triggers. So that way, if this happens again, you get, you get a lot more immediate access to this information so you can handle it. Um, but right now, I mean, I'm kind of in the camp of it's, it's too far out there right now. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that stress my spirit as much as I could. Like I was thinking about it just now, ask yourself this way. If a person gave something other than money to the church, let's say they gave time as a volunteer, and then you said something in a sermon that they didn't like, and they said, hey, I'm no longer going to volunteer, and you found out a few weeks later, would you have a conversation with that person? And in, in, like in my church, yes, I probably would. And the thing that makes it tricky is that it's money. Right. And money is like weird for us. So just like don't let yourself be like a slave to fear either is the only thing I would say. If somebody was if if somebody gave the church like a sound system or like a speaker and they were like, hey, I want my sound system back because of what you said in the sermon. You'd be like, well, let's have a conversation about that. But because it's a tie that becomes like an extra weird thing because of the way we've been discipled that we never talk about money. So I, I was you know, that's just another facet to the. To, to maybe the advice or the conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like there needs to be a message about giving because there's this weird concept of like my tithe is a, a is a, is a, is a physical attribute of me affirming what's being said. And like, that's, that's all kinds of backwards and messed up. So let's, uh, let's dive into question two. At Evernorth health services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, this is going to be a real practical one. I've been in my church for about a year. We do not have a good record of members or just information on people in general. I'm attempting to bring a higher view of membership to, to, the, to this church. What are some steps you would take to help this happen? I've thought about canceling everyone's membership and doing a membership class, but I'm not 100% sure that's the best path. Wow. Uh, I, since me and Jeff are current members at Tim's Church, we Ooh. can say that uh, Lakeview does not have my correct address. Or my <laughs> correct phone number, so they didn't do a good job of getting my information. So, Tim, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> at your church to get everyone's information and everyone else? I want, like Jeff, you like took on a church that was that was need to be revitalized. So I'm sure the membership role was all kinds of messed up there. Um, you know, I would love to hear you guys talk about how you guys are well, trying to get good membership and or is his idea bad about just canceling everyone and starting? Hundred percent terrible. Don't do this. Do not. Do not cancel everyone's membership. I mean, I'm just reading it on the face of this. You've been there for about a year. You do not have the capital to do this. Um, so if you want to be there for another year, I recommend you do not cancel anyone's membership. Um, now, I yes, I came into a church where membership was suspended, but that was a process that happened before I got here, so I was not the bad sheriff in town. Um I would say just start keeping record of who, you know, start keeping attendance, 
Um, there are people who consider themselves members who probably would be a member. I would say before you do any work on like having them having a higher view of membership, you need to have a very clear idea of what you view as membership. What does membership mean? Uh, and you need to have that be very clear. You need to have those conversations first with the people who would be elders um, and or your leadership team and those people who are longtime kind of influential families in your church. Just begin having conversations. Hey, I just want to do a better job of caring for the people in this church, which means for me, I need to understand, do we have members who are the members of this church? Who do you consider members of this church? And And make it about care. Make it about the fact that you want to care well for the people who are part of your church and that membership biblically is about knowing who is part of the church family that submits to the elders and that who gets disciplined and all that stuff and who is blessed with the reality of being part of a church family. So I just think that might take you a year, just having those conversations with people and you having a good definition of what membership is. I would even define some other terms. So for me, we use the term member, which is defined for me in my denomination's constitution. So like, I don't have to come up with a definition for that. Here's what it means to be a member. You affer- you you know, you believe Jesus Christ uh, in his death, his life, death, and resurrection. You affirm these specific doctrinal ideas. You affirm the constitution that you're reading, all that stuff. But then I use a term uh, underneath member that's participant, and then I use regular attender, and that's all in my planning center database. So a participant for me is somebody who comes three times a month, but who has not, and, and maybe even is serving and is giving, but who has not said that they want to take the steps to membership. So I have a number of people like that. Uh, and then a regular attender is somebody who comes about twice a month. They aren't necessarily serving and they aren't necessarily giving, but they're there. And we kind of know them as a part of the church. And then below that, you're basically a visitor. Um, and so I have that. I actually explained all this to my congregation yesterday with trepidation. I was worried that there were people who I had listed as participants who I know kind of assume that their members would be upset. And I only had one person who said, Hey, I feel like I should be a member. And so that that person and I have set up a conversation that's going to happen later. But I think you need to have very clear like definitions of what that is so that um, not so that you can be hardcore about it, but so that you just have something to point to, to say, well, this is what it means to be a member here. And here's why I think membership is important. Um, I think knowing why why membership is a is a biblical idea that's good for you is really important before you just start canceling people's membership. Canceling someone's membership without a long conversation first can be a deeply hurtful and offensive thing. So I would not do that. Um, I would definitely not cancel anybody's membership, but I would try to walk along with people and say, hey, do you understand why uh, we've been talking about this for about a year and here's the criteria that we've all kind of agreed is what a member. And as of right now, you know, you're not quite fitting in all of these. Can I help you, you know, kind of move in this direction or what questions do you have for me? Just make it something where you're walking along with people and you, like do not the way this question I read it is like you're just going to stand up in the pulpit one day and be like, none of y'all are members anymore and we're starting over and you should expect not to be the pastor for very long after that. I I would push back on that just a little bit and say definitely don't cancel everybody's membership. But the next time you have any kind of vote or anything coming up that requires a membership vote, be like, hey, um, we have not done it. And, and throw yourself, you know, you've only been there a year. Say we have not done a good job of keeping track of this. That's good. 
make yourself part of the we. It's, you know, we did this wrong. We did this wrong. We did this wrong. We are going to scrub the roles. Maybe don't say the phrase scrub the roles, but we're going to get our roles back to how they should be. And we're if someone bring clarity has, to the membership yes, roles. If someone has not been participating in the life of our church for the past six months, um, we're going to remove that person unless we receive a letter from them by such and such day. And you got to check on your bylaws because different churches have different yep. bylaws that might go back a hundred years. And so someone could, according to your church's bylaws, be a member in good standing because they went to a class that one time in 1973. Um, and if that's where your bylaws are, you might be time to revise those bylaws, but you should probably inform all of your members that you need to revise those bylaws. I still get membership updates from a church that I was on staff at um, and was a member of for less than two years and have not stepped foot on the church's property since 2008. They still send me, you know, member email updates. So I get it. It happens at big churches, little churches, but what you just need is clarity. Don't cancel everybody's membership, but let people know that, you know, by this and this, you know, by such and such date, if you would like to remain a member, we need to hear from you kind of thing um, to have someone reaffirm their commitment to the church. Yeah. I, yeah, I one, like the way. The, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. I like, I like the way the question is, is worded up front because it, it's kind of this idea of, hey, we've identified an area that we want to grow in as a leadership team. I like the idea of including the we. This is an area we want to grow. Um, and maybe this could tie into your church database software that you're using. I don't know what it is you are using. Maybe it's time to shop around and get a new one. So you're looking for a planning center or something like that. Let the congregation know, hey, we just we just got a new database system as a church because you, you mentioned not not doing a good job of collecting yeah, information. This is a, a, another great way to say, hey, this is not we're not trying to kick anyone yeah, out. This is, we are trying to be accurate. I honestly see this as some low hanging fruit and maybe an easy win for you in which you can say, hey, here's the QR code on the screen. If everyone could just pull out their phones right now, snap that QR code. We want to get everybody's info in because we want to make sure you're getting the best and most up to date information for what's going on around here. To me, that's that's an easy win for you. And then I like the idea of clearly communicating what is membership. You've only been there a year, might be time to talk to some people who've been there for a couple of decades to get their views on membership and make sure they're in alignment with where you're at. If not, then, then you know, talk to the elders, leaders of the church and, and get a very clear view on church membership and start that process. For us, it is a class and it's it's a covenant membership. We take it very seriously. So people know if you want to vote on anything, when it comes to annual meeting time or elders or deacons, you need to be a covenant member of Lakeview. So we had several come up to me yesterday. Hey, we're ready to join. And I told them, great. Our next membership class is in January. Here's the signups. Can't wait to see you there. And they were like, sounds good. We'll see you there. So I think you can get to that point, but it's got to start somewhere. And maybe it starts with what's my church database software. Do yep. I have everyone's info? Cause then you can start communicating with them and not just on Sunday morning. And you can just do a membership class. You can just exactly. say, Hey, in yep. two months, we're going to have a membership class, see who shows up. One of the steps that we did in my process of going from redeveloping church to fully accredited again, which for the actual, that happened in October. Uh, yesterday was our first annual meeting as a fully accredited church again. So one of the things I had to do was make sure that I had tight membership roles uh, for that process. And the last step of that was I have a, just a, a membership covenant. I'm holding it up here for those of you not seeing this. And I said from the platform like six weeks in a row, 
hey everyone if you if you think you're a member here and you were a member before redevelopment uh, I still need you to fill out this membership covenant. It, all it all it asks you is to affirm uh, a bunch of things, uh, doctrine and all that stuff. And then it asks for a very brief summary of your um, story of coming to faith in Jesus. And then it basically says, with great joy, I testify this is my faith story. And I declare my desire to follow Jesus as a member of Lansdowne Alliance Church with a name, a signature, and a dateline. Um, and then there's uh, required in our bylaws is an interview with the elders. So that interview is essentially them handing this paper to me or one of the elders. And if we have a question, we talk to them about it or we set something up. And so that was a good way to kind of process. I had people on my membership in my database who didn't hand one of these to me because they don't come to the church anymore. And so all I have to do is compare these to my roles. And now I know who is members and who's not. Now, there are some people who forgot um who are going to hand it to me and i know them well enough to know that and so that's where you know it's the spirit of the law not the letter of the law but um that's just a simple process that you can use you have i have you know this piece of paper that shows me that they are taking serious this commitment uh and i have a record with a date on it which is nice yeah i think i echo like so much of what y'all said you don't have enough chips in the bank to cash in all your membership in year one um, I, what I would do is I would do like anytime you think you need to see change because you have been there long enough to know there's some things that need change. And you probably may have even seen that on the front end before you came. I would just enter into what I would call a discovery phase, which is a lot of what y'all been talking about. Like, go ahead and go through your membership. Go ahead and pile them, um, pile them down. Who are the people who are coming and not members? Who are your members? Jeff, what you said is fantastic. A lot of churches do that about identify the people who are at your church. This is a regular attending member. This is a once a month member and you can have your own way of identifying them. Another thing that might help with this is, um, is if you really get with your, uh, your welcoming team, if you don't have one, make one, I would say every church should have some kind of welcoming team, but they're the people who oftentimes are most boots on the grounds in regards to who's there. Because, you know, most churches aren't making people sign in every week, but you can, your welcome team's going to know, hey, Cheryl's been out for a month, you know, or two weeks. So that's going to help you with your situation. And then once you get through that, you do, you kind of bring your findings to your elders. Hey, just so you know, you know, I let you know I was going to be looking into like our attendance patterns and everything. This is where we're at. And then, and then you can, it's okay to share with them where you think we should go, but let their, let your leadership come with you on that journey because they're the people who are going to be influencing your whole church to buy into this, whatever your new vision is for, for your leaders. And another thing that might be helpful to do if this church has never really purged their roles or doesn't really know what it means to be a member, you could do a sermon series on membership. I've seen pastors do, Hey, listen, we're doing a sermon series on membership the last week. You have the opportunity to re-sign up to be a member. We're going to everyone sign up to be a member again. So just make sure you're here. If for some reason you're going to be out, let me know. You can have a backup strategy for that. But there's not a problem at all with having a, um, a series at church. What does it mean to be a, a, a covenant member? And then let them re-sign on. That's a more non-controversial way to purge the roles without saying the word purge. You're saying, hey, we're going to recommit. Similar to how like wedding vows, 25th anniversary, we're going to recommit, you know, you kind of use that, that kind of language. This is great. Um, I, I don't have anything else to add, but call, just call them. 
like start talking to the people at your church. You know, if 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 your membership is all messed up and you're if it's if it's just an issue of contact information, then I think it's really simple. Get something like Planning Center. Get off of your spreadsheets and get something that's organized. Do the QR code on the screen and then everyone update their their profiles. If it's an issue of like you don't know who the members are and who aren't, then there's a bit of a conversation, a longer conversation. I like what Jeff said. You know, uh, explain you know what we're trying to do. Have everyone fill out the form. Have some nuanced conversation, and then get to the point where you are a little bit more organized. But hey, again, if you have questions, Frank, can I on add Facebook. one thing? Yes, Jeff, add this, one more thing. This might be a really good uh, question to ask in an interview if you it's, if you're going to be a lead pastor somewhere, especially for the first time. Ask a question about what's the membership been like here? Do we have roles? Do we have not that that's going to deal be a deal breaker, but just so that you know that walking in. And then the second thing you might want to ask for is how many people get up in the middle of the service to go to the bathroom and are they members? Yeah. Yeah. There how many go. people pee all the time? Hey, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you hopefully next week. If not, we'll see you in the new year. I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. Uh, is this the order we're going in now? I thought that we were going to just change it all willy-nilly every time. Keep I'm it Andrew the same. And I'm Timothy Miller. And this is Perfectly Pastoring. See ya! Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.